we're conscious, as we've reflected in the service this morning, that the, there are some shifts in, in seasons. It's, it's, it, it, there's something newer in front of us. Um, and uh, we're praying, not just in terms, of course, of schools and colleges, but for each of us, that God will bless us in Jesus' name. Thanks for a great summer, uh, great ministry. Christine alluded to it this morning, great input from people's lives. But believing that God will just do something uh, in this season as we continue to be alert and fresh in our faith and uh, endeavoring to be the carriers of the power of the good news. So this morning is just, uh, it can only be described as a one-off word. Uh, you know that we love to sort of drop uh, a little series into the life of Arena Church uh, sometimes just two or three weeks, sometimes a bit longer than that, that just give us a thread in terms of what we feel God is saying through the word into people's hearts. Uh, but this morning, uh, this word was, it, it's, it's the bane of being a preacher when you're on holiday, you're still thinking about preaching, you know. But uh, the, this word sort of got dropped in my heart um, whilst I was away. And I just sort of want you just to receive the word this morning. If I can say it not only as a preach word, but maybe also as a prophetic word into people's hearts, and just to sort of be encouraged and challenged and stretched and invigorated uh, to continually be all that God has destined each of us to be. God has got a plan for every one of our lives and to really absorb that and accept that. So the title of the message, as uh, Jordan's put up there, is Walls. Uh, nothing to do with those ice cream manufacturers. Um, it, it may be that you've had an ice cream or fall during this uh, during this. Uh, season, nothing to do with that, but to realize that the Bible speaks about walls. It speaks about walls literally, and it speaks about walls metaphorically. That's, in other words, using walls as a descriptive word to get across a point. For example, there's a book in the, New, in the Old Testament, Nehemiah, that's all about a wall. Um, and the wall was broken down. He said, well, so what? Well, the wall, the broken down wall reflected the fact that God's blessing and purpose and protection uh, was not around the city of God, the people of God. It reflected a, a backsliddenness. It reflected a defeat. It reflected a disgrace. And there's somebody living hundreds of miles north that hears a call. His name's Nehemiah. He got a great job. Everything was going great, but the call completely wrecked him. And he went back to Jerusalem. He gathered people around him. You know the story well. They rebuilt the wall. But more than that, they restored the sense of God's purpose over their lives. It's a great book because it speaks about great leadership and also great response from people to leadership. And when they work together, something happens. But this morning, I want to use three texts rather than one to make three brief points. I understand the danger of the preacher is that you also get three messages. We're going to try and avoid that because we're going to try and finish for 12 o'clock. But three points this morning that I want just to speak into our hearts to say that we need to understand that for numbers of reasons at times, we, we, we come against walls and to believe that God is for us and that he can take us through. So firstly, walls confronted. Don't have time to read about this this morning, but if you get the opportunity later on to read Judges chapter 6, you'll find that there's a city there, Joshua chapter 6 rather, Joshua 6 in the Old Testament, there's a city there with a great big wall. The name of the city is Jericho. 
And Joshua speaks to us about advancement and possession. A people that had wandered for a generation in the wilderness were now coming to take the promised land, the land that God had given to them, and to overcome the people that had illegally and unlawfully possessed the land, to defeat them and to take hold of all that God had destined these people to have as the land of his. In Joshua, we read about a crossing over Jordan. We read about a promise of amazing things. We read in chapter 5 of, of a fresh consecration and dedication to God. I want you to know that as these people move, move forward, uh, they were not retreating from God's purpose, but advancing towards Him. I want you to know that they weren't out of the will of God, but they were responding to the will of God. I want you to know that they were not, not listening, but they were seeking to obey, and yet they were confronted by a war. And you know, the danger is that sometimes when we get confronted by a wall in our life, we immediately go inward and think we're doing something right. It may be that you are doing something wrong, rather. It may be this morning that you are doing everything right in terms of your spiritual journey, and yet you are confronted by a wall. It seems like Jericho. Jericho was a huge fortified city. The Bible doesn't tell us, but legend tells us that these were chariot races on the top of the wall. That was the width of it. Huge. Seemed impenetrable, obstructive, daunting, intimidating. There it was before the people, and there seemed no way ahead. If the people were really going to take the land, Jericho had to be defeated. And the Bible tells us that Joshua, as the leader of the people, got before God. And he sought to hear God, he sought to respond to God, and then he sought to act upon what God had told him. That's faith. We can listen forever, but until we activate what God's told us, there's no expression of faith. And God said, I want you to gather the people together, and for six days, I want you to go around the wall once. I don't want the people to say anything. The trumpets are playing in the background. And then on the seventh day, I want you to go around the wall seven times. The trivia question, of course, is how many times did the people of Israel go around Jericho's wall? Most people say seven, but it's 13. Six plus seven on the final day. Seven times around the wall. He says, and then when I tell you, I want you to give a, 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 a mighty shout to God. I want the trumpets to really pour back and give it an amazing blast. And we're going to believe that the wall is going to come down. So here we are, Arena Church. You've come back full of vim and vim. You're praying. You're reading the word. God's speaking to you. You're engaged in the ministry uh, in Arena Church. But there's a situation in your life this morning that seems like a great big wall facing you. And God's saying this morning, what you need to do is simply confront it. Confront it. And believe that it will, be, will fall before your eyes. Now, in the early summer, Dan Blythe, who's one of the pastors at Hillsong Church in London, came to this church. Don't worry, we're not going to the baseball hat again. But, but, uh, but um, Dan preached on praise. And interestingly, he felt that he got a word to bring us on praise. Now, we've done a series on praise in Arena Church in the past called Raising the Praise. I don't want to preach Dan's message again this morning, but I simply want to remind you that in this context of confronting the wall, 
Praise was at the very heart of God doing the miracle. What is praise? Well, praise, friends, is where we bring an expression of our heart to God, where we declare his greatness and his goodness over our lives. And praise is a sound from earth that captures the attention of heaven. And when God can find a people in the earth that will capture his attention in the heavenlies, guess what happens? Walls begin to fall down in Jesus' name. So let me just remind you very briefly of praise. Praise is vocal. Praise is vocal. The Bible says that praise is the fruit of our lips. And here's what happens. And I have seen it happen so many times in churches where people even claim this phrase is found in the word of God. And it's not. People, friends, pull back on confronting the wall by confessing something over their life that doesn't reflect praise. And it's this. Well, what I'll do is I'll praise God in my heart. You can't. You can't praise God in your heart. Praise is the fruit of your lips. Praise is vocal. Now we understand, of course, that there are people that sadly don't have the blessing and gift to vocalize. God understands that. I want to tell you, friends, I've seen some of those people praising God and they've left everybody else sort of in their wake because something has come out of them that is clearly reflecting praise careful this morning that that wall that stands before you, you're not trying to deal with in your strength. In other words, you're trying to be cleverer than God's. You're trying to tell God how the wall's going to be demolished. He's saying, you know, if you'll bring your praise to me, you know, if I can find a shout on earth that responds to what's taking place in the heavens, that wall's going to fall. But you're forever saying, well, I'm going to praise God in my heart. He said, no, actually, I want praise to be the fruit of your lips. It's vocal. And then praise, friends, is voluble, it's loud. It's amazing how many people leave churches because the praise is too loud. There's always something wrong with it. We understand there's times for quiet, friends. But don't diminish what God has called us to be. Can I let you into my world a little bit? I've done a lot of ministry over the years, a little less so in this season because of other demands upon my life. Where I've tried to, on occasions, bring together churches across denominations for prayer. Going right back into our Lincolnshire days, certainly sort of in terms of our church there, bringing people together. You know the thing that frustrated me? The joint prayer gatherings were always determined by the quietest people in the group. We could never get to praise. And please, I'm not pushing back on the people. I spent hours engaging with them. But it always went to the expression of a library. Because they did quiet in their church and this is what we're doing together. And I think, friends, it stopped us from confronting some of the walls. You may say to me this morning, why I'm quiet by disposition. Do you know what? That's absolutely fine. Even in a church like ours that likes to make a bit of noise, we're not asking you to turn yourself into a raving extrovert to be part of Arena Church. We do occasionally need some quiet people, thank God. But be careful that you don't allow your disposition to determine your response to the word of God. Because whether you are quiet or loud, God says that praise is vocal and praise is voluble. 
And you may not be the loudest praiser in Arena Church, but you need to reach out and begin to bring the fruit of your lips to him. Don't worry, some people will help you out. They are loud, 24-7. And they will just, will just lift it to God. I want to tell you, I really believe that some people need to find a breakthrough here. You've allowed your disposition to determine your faith. You've got to break through. Praise is musical. There were lots of trumpets around, playing quietly. And then when we got to the final day, there was a huge trumpet blast. Now, this Wednesday, isn't it amazing? Our queen's going to be the longest-serving monarch in the history of our nation. And uh, she's a wonderful believer, a great woman of faith, and we rejoice in all that. I sort of sense that as I'm going to watch the news on Wednesday night, there's going to be some trumpets sounding somewhere. And have you seen those guys with the long, the long ones? You know, whoa! Ears on the back end. It's not quiet. There's a trumpet sound. And the Bible says in, in a different context in Corinthians, in terms of the operation of gifts, that trumpet sound brings clarity. Praise brings a clarity as to what we believe and as to what we confess. He's not uncertain. Praise does not leave people in doubt as to what we believe in Arena Church. It brings clarity. Praise is musical. It's all very well as singing this morning in the shower as we're getting ready. It did a bit of good. But when people come together led by Pete and the band, and we begin to, begin to worship the Lord and begin to sing our own song, we begin to let music define us and begin to praise God, something happens when we come together. When we come together. It's musical. And fourthly, praise is communal. There's a power in togetherness that causes something special to happen. You know, I get people saying to me, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. They're trying to take on the powers of darkness on their own friends, and guess what? They're losing. They're losing. Because they need the power of community. They need other people, literally, to stand shoulder to shoulder with them to bring the praise of God that impacts the individuality of their life. And so when we come to church, it's not just for us. We're giving something away to other people. I mean, if I had five quid every time I've been on the door saying, the worship weren't for me. Well, it's for him. And guess what? The praise is not just for you, it's for other people as well. When you begin to praise God, you make a contribution to other people's lives as they back to you. And something begins to break. Walls confronted i want to speak to people this morning they've got a wall in front of them and you know that you are right in the will of god you've got absolute peace that you are seeking to respond to god but there's that great big ugly wall that's standing in the way i want to encourage you this morning to declare again the praises of god to it and believe in jesus name that has just happened in judges chapter 6 that when they got to the end of the 13th lap, they gave out a holy shout to God. The trumpets blasted and the walls came tumbling down. Because people had a faith to confront the wall. Secondly, walls demolished. In Ephesians chapter 2, we get the writer to the Ephesians in the New Testament talking about what God is doing in these days. And he describes the Gentiles, the Gentiles, if you like, were the non-Jewish believers. And he describes that before they came to faith, they were excluded, they were foreigners, they were without 
him and without hope. Boy, it's, it's a bit of an ugly list. But in verse 14, it says these words. <clears throat> For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has and destroyed the barrier. Listen, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus, when he came in the flesh and died upon the cross and rose the third day, has not only caused us to have faith to confront walls, but to see walls demolished. And my question this morning, friends, is if Jesus is in the demolishing wall business, we need to make sure in our hearts that we're not erecting any that push back on his expression of life in our lives. Again, we don't have time to open it up this morning, but in Ephesians 2, there was a distinction between two groups of people. But that became a reconciliation. Not now two groups of people, but one in Jesus Christ. And thirdly, listen, it became a habitation, a temple, a dwelling where God inhabits by his spirit. We all like the church buildings, York Minster, Canterbury Cathedral, Durham. We all like roving around them and seeing the beautiful stained glass windows and everything. But you know something? They're no more important this morning than Arena Church. Because God is not primarily dwelling buildings. He's dwelling people. With no divisions, with no barriers, with no distinctions, but are one in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want you to be encouraged also to make sure that because Jesus is a wall demolisher, you're not building any walls in your life. Let me mention two or three that perhaps need to go. A wall of attitude. If I mention attitude, in one sense it can be positive. But you ever met the person where it's, Negative. The glass is always half empty. You talk to some people, you think it would have rained three inches of rain every day over the last few weeks. Hasn't it been a terrible summer? Woo, woo. Well, it's not been that bad. Attitude needs to come down. Offense. We're easily affronted. To be reminded, as John Bevere taught, offense is never given, it's taken. It's never given, it's taken. Unforgiveness. Just reading a book by Pastor Chris Hodges on the life of the Spirit. He said this on unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. You see, because unforgiveness only affects you. It doesn't affect the person that you want unforgiveness to hurt by, it won't affect them. They'll get affected when you release forgiveness and let the wall come down. What about prejudice? We would all claim not to be prejudiced. But I sense that all of our prejudice are being challenged in these days as this is great people movement across the earth. We need to continually check our hearts that there's nothing arising in us that pushes against God, Jesus, and his kingdom. The unified, finished work of God is that we'd be one. And he demolished the wall to make it happen. I encourage you this morning to allow God to continually search your inner world, your inner journey, and say, God, if there's any wall that I've erected that clearly sits and stands against your purpose, I give you permission by your spirit this morning, Lord, to take your sledgehammer to it in the heavenlies and demolish it. In Jesus' name. And the third wall 
It's not only a war confronted and a war demolished, but a war, a war scaled. Psalm 18, verse 29. The first war was a literal one. The second two have been descriptive of a challenge. Here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 18. Let me find the verse. I've got it. He says, this is the psalmist speaking. He says, with your help, I advance against the troop. And with my God, I can scale a wall. So not only confronting wars this morning, believing that they'll be reduced to rubble, not only demolishing any wars in our life that don't reflect Jesus and his kingdom, but thirdly, I want to encourage people in Arena Church this morning to scale wars. To scale wars. I want, you, I want to take you to the 15th of January this year. Some of you may have watched it on the news. But Kevin Jorgensen and Tommy Caldwell scaled the El Capitan, known as the Dawn Wall. It's in the Osmite National Park in California. And mountaineers and climbers reckon that this is the steepest and most difficult rock face to climb simply by, obviously they've got the safety devices on, but simply to to, to climb by hands and feet in the world. It's 2,500 feet of sheer cliff rock. And these guys just are finding little crevices. They, They break their hands on the way. But these two guys climbed the dawn wall, El Capitan. It's split into 33 stages, <clears throat> and uh, it uh, took them 19 days to complete. I don't know whether you can remember the, the, the pictures, but they sort of used to have this bed that sort of went out from the wall at night, and people would sort of, you know, the food had come down on the string. They're on the side of a wall for 15 days. And at the 15th stage, Kevin Jorgensen failed to get to the 16th stage on 10 occasions. And he refused to give up. And on the 15th attempt to get to the next stage of the wall, he got there. I remember writing in my journal, God said to me, what's your dorm wall? What's your dorm wall? What stands before you? that seems utterly impossible to scale. With my God, I can advance through a troop. And with my God, I can scale a wall. Somebody said about this particular wall that what made it so special is that it is almost not possible. Two guys were crazy enough to say, you know what, we're going to climb that thing. I've no doubt that they prepared very, very deliberately, intentionally. They were supremely fit. They were very, very experienced mountaineers. But they looked at something that seemed nearly impossible. And with the strength of the human spirit, they climbed our Capitan, the Dawn Wall. I just felt God encourages this morning to say, friends, that we'll get confronted with walls at times that seem unscalable, but actually with God, we can do it. Not in our own strength, but in Him.
What's your door wall this morning? Is it a circumstance? Oh, it's horrible at the moment. Horrible. Maybe this morning it's a challenge. God's spoken to your life. Whoa, whoa, no, Lord, not that. Whoa. No. It's impossible. It may be that there's a contest going on in your inner world at the moment. And the dawn wall is inferiority. The dawn wall is insecurity. The dawn wall is an inability. God's spoken to you, but it's there. And it seems unscalable. It may be that the dawn wall this morning is a crushing failure. Yeah, you're giving into that temptation again. And the enemy mocks. A life-controlling habit that seems to pull you back from God's best. And in yourself, there's no way on earth that you can scale the wall. But with my God, I can scale a wall. I'm inspired by people in terms of uh, exploits, in terms of exploration that seemingly do the, inspi- uh, the, the, the impossible. I wrote down all of that in January because I was just taken in by Jorgensen and Caldwell and their incredible natural human spirit and faith to do something that nearly seemed impossible. As I was getting this message ready, that verse leapt from the pages in Psalm 18 that reminded me that there are times when I'm confronted with things that seem unscalable but with God absolutely are. So as I conclude, walls. Walls that need to be confronted. Jericho's that can come down. And praise is the key. Walls that need to be demolished because when Jesus came to the earth, he demolished every dividing wall of hostility and said that we are one in him. Anything in your life today that doesn't reflect the finished work of Jesus, let it be demolished. Wall scales that seem impossible. Sheer rock face. But with my God, I can scale a wall. Let me talk about one final wall. Just down the A38 at the National Arboretum Memorial. If you've never been, I encourage you to go and have an afternoon. Just down there, beyond Leachfields, it's well signposted. And uh, you just have a great time. But well over 10 years ago now, <clears throat> that place was opened and many trees have been planted, as the name suggests, in memorial to people that have fallen uh, for the cause of freedom for our nation. And right on the brow of the hill as you go into the Arboretum, you'll see a huge memorial wall. Every person that's fallen in battle since the end of the World War, Second World War, has their name inscribed upon that particular memorial wall. And it's, it's uh, set up in such a way that shafts of light break through it as well. It's interesting, for instance, since 1945, there's only been one year in our history where we've had no member of the armed forces that has died in the cause of uh, battle. And there are over 16,000 names on that wall already. But some time ago when we went, uh, I was confronted with what I can only describe as the empty wall. And it's it's somehow a wall that I don't want to be filled because it's ready for the names that are yet to be written. You can understand that during that period there have been spikes, 82, the Falklands conflict, and 
more recently Afghanistan. As I was standing there, I thought, I really wish there'd never be another name put on that wall. Because it means somebody else has fallen to defend our freedoms. But again, I just felt that God spoke to my heart at that time. He says, you know what? I'm looking for people to put their names on an empty wall. And I sort of just sort of wondered what God was saying. Friends, I'm not asking us this morning to necessarily join the armed forces and lay down our life in battle. But I was reminded of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. If you have God's mercy, I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Christine reminded us this morning that Jesus gave everything so that we could be forgiven. We could have a new life in God. And if you've never found that life, I'm going to give you an invitation in a moment. But for those of us that have found the Lord this morning, I encourage you to respond to the challenge of the empty wall. To fill up our names on that by saying, Lord Jesus, we present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. So there we go. Walls. Confronting, demolishing, and scaling for Jesus' sake. May God help us so that in this season of our lives, individually and together as Arena Church, we'll be forever advancing into all that God's got for us. Let's pray.